Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name's Travis. And this is Luke. We are Southern Men De-Reconstructing the South. I'm, I'm guessing you haven't been on Twitter lately, right? No, no, not even close. I looked oh, at a few okay. tweets. That's my extent. Well, well, you, you know the, the, the controversy that circled back around, right? Uh, the, uh, the whole uh, David Bathsheba thing? What circle back around? The the whole uh, David and Bathsheba controversy. Several years back, I was whenever it first started. I think that um, uh, whether or not David raped Bathsheba, or whether or not they just committed oh okay. Him. I say just as in like oh it's just that, but um, but you know, uh, apparently that circle back around on the Twitterverse, and I'm kind of I'm like we haven't settled this yet. Like th- this has not ever been a point of contention throughout the entirety of church history and why does it actually matter well so um in looking what is it reading scripture with western eyes um a book i would highly recommend um not because he's correct on everything mind you um but because it does make you take a look at your own perception of scripture which is something i've become very sensitive to let's say um so in that book he talks about that and he he digs into the controversy of whether or not david did actually rape bathsheba and he basically says that um you know during the time they really wouldn't have thought about it like that um uh, it 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 really didn't even enter into the mind of either party the idea of consent. It was just the king wants something, and the king get gets what the king wants. That's literally just what it was. And it really wasn't a huge issue or a huge difference for a king to walk in and say, hey, I want your wife, because that literally happened all the time. Um, and so the the modern day um, the modern day just getting mad about that whole frame, everybody including Bathsheba would have looked at them like they're nuts. Like why are you even asking the question? Um, because the king of the land gets what the king wants. This was even in the deal, <clears throat> by the way. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody went back and read this, uh, but this is, this is why the kingship over the nation of Israel was actually a curse, and God intended for it to be a curse. And David, in some sense, was a redemption of that curse, but it was still a curse. Um, God said that if you choose a man to be your king, he has the right to your land, He has the right to your property. He has the right to your children. He has the right to your women. He has the right to your everything. That was a whole part of the deal. And so that would have been an understood during the time. They just didn't have the conception of even internal guilt um, the guy who wrote the article is e. e. Rudolph Richards, I think. Um, I don't want to butcher his name. 
me just a second because I want to make sure I get his name right. Um, e, e. Randolph Richards. So he, that's it. The book is called Misreading Scripture Through with Western Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. Um, there are entire cultures, you know, in in the West, we are very very adamant um, about building this internal regulator about introspection, about making sure that um, there are moral guards inside our own hearts against committing bad things. Even even pagans in the West believe this. But there are entire civilizations that are built around the concept of only external shames and guilt applied to people. So if you did something that's a sin in secret and nobody knew about it, there's no condemnation that comes with that in those societies, and nobody has that internal, like, check on themselves saying, I really shouldn't have done that. They just, they don't feel guilt about it, because it's like nobody got hurt. But at the same time with, with a nation like Israel, um, you know, David knew that it was wrong, right? And Bathsheba knew that it was wrong. I mean, he was breaking, you know, uh, let's see, uh, two of the... Ten Commandments that God had laid out, like even even within Israel's theocracy, the king was not above God's law because God gave them that law. Uh, so he would, you know, he they both knew what they were doing was wrong because right. they were breaking two of the same commandments. And then David went on to break a third commandment. So the argument in the book isn't that that's correct. The argument in the book is just that there are civilizations like that that are pre predominantly shame-oriented cultures. And so his argument was, as part of that culture, nobody would have thought twice about it, and David would not have necessarily had that internal voice telling him that, oh, you're committing a sin right now, you shouldn't do this. And so... He was he was stressing the importance of why Samuel was there to begin with, because Samuel's the one who confronted David about it, Maybe. and it wasn't until David was con confronted by it publicly that he repented, and that was the whole point. Um, and I <clears throat> I think that this was part of what God was trying to do in the Old Testament. Again, He's not saying that David was not guilty of sin when he committed it. It was just that David would not have had that internal message saying, what you just did is evil. Um, and this actually aligns with the whole idea of the Holy Spirit had, having not yet come. And so he, he didn't even have the internal spirit of God speaking to him. He literally just had his own conscience, his own mind. But and see, if you're I not... I don't even know if that's correct. I mean, because think about it. Like Nearly half of the psalms that David wrote was talking about, you know, he, he talks about that he meditates on God's law day and night. So he he knew intellectually that what he was doing was wrong. Right? You, you can't sit there and, and say that you're meditating upon God's law and then not recognize what he was doing was wrong. Right, right. So I'm not, I'm not defending... Uh, number one, I'm definitely not defending the adultery that happened. Why are you defending adultery right now? 
Yeah, I'm definitely not. That is not that is not becoming <laughs> of the Dixie Paul's podcast. <laughs> um, well, I just want to make that clear because I and and what you're saying is actually a really good point. Um, I I just was presenting the argument from the book. Um, I I think that there there could be validity to that argument. Maybe not in David's case, but I know in a lot of other other people's case cases that was true. Um, and and David should have known better to begin with. Um, you know the scriptures call David a man after God's own heart. Um, but it's just the <clears throat> I the, the point being is I don't think that rape even factors into the equation like that. Um, because I think the king's guard would have shown up and said, oh, hey, is Bathsheba here? Because David's not going to go to Bathsheba's house by himself. He's going to send his guard, his captain of the guard, or somebody, his representative, to go pick Bathsheba up. All those people would have seen it happen. Um, they would know what's happening while they're going to go get Bathsheba. She would have been escorted back. Everybody in the village from Bathsheba's house to the to the palace would have would have seen Bathsheba being carried from Bathsheba's house to the castle, everybody knew what was going on. Um, and so it was a he wasn't going over for a barbecue, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, and everybody knew that you know what's his face was out in battle. They all knew, um, you know, when he told you know his his uh, uh, generals to put the man on the front battle lines. They all knew it was happening. And everybody who followed those orders were just as guilty, by the way, according to God's law, they were just as guilty as as um, David was for even suggesting it, because they all played along. They were all guilty. Um, and so they all shared in the guilt, is, is basically what happened. But then God said, well, no, that's not a distributed guilt thing. David, you're the one who's in charge. I put you in charge. And because of this, your reign and your family is going to suffer. Um, and so the, if, again, <clears throat> kind of getting back to what you were talking about, that whole, the fact that that's even a debate is because we're looking at it through a certain f lens. And that's not how the people who the book was written to would have seen the situation. Um, and that's, I don't really think that's how we ought to be looking at the situation. Um, trying to talk about whether rape happened or not. I mean, we need to dig into the substance of the text. Um, well, the argument essentially comes from a, a very egalitarian way of looking at things. Um, the, the, the main proponents of those that are, that are pushing this specific, um, you know, frame of thought, I guess you'd say, is specific specifically um, feminist egalitarians those that are quote unquote wanting to root church clergy abuse out, right? And they're just uh -huh. throwing everything out with the bathwater. Um, they they have no you know standard of justice. It's just whatever their it's solar feels for them. Um, yeah, I've, I've not I've not seen anyone from what I would consider a conservative side arguing this point so kind of is kind of kind of let them bear their own fruits so to speak. right and, and that's who i'm taking shots at right because they're 
they're only concerned about their ideology. They're not really concerned about what the scriptures say. Um, that whole debate with um, uh, Durbin and White against uh, what's his name? The oh, that was so frustrating. Yeah, uh, Brandon Robertson. Brandon Robertson. Oh, yeah, that was absolutely frustrating. Um, yeah, I I was a little disappointed in Durbin. White was very much to the point. Um, and I, and I'll get to I'll get to my disappointment and um Durbin in a minute, but uh it, Brandon Robertson is is another example of this where Brandon Robertson just cares about his faggotry. He doesn't care about um he he doesn't care about what the scriptures say, and so he's going to reinterpret the scriptures and 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 white appropriately called him out on this because the people that he's listening to with this whole reinterpretation of um, the Levitic, the Leviticus code to say that, Oh, well that was just, you know, that was, that was, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, temple prostitution of boys. It was the oppression systems that God was mad at, not the act of sodomizing somebody. Um, that was that <clears throat> he, he's just committed to his ideology and he's going to go to the people who try to give his ideology the most credibility, which unfortunately for him, he doesn't have anybody that gives him credibility because all the people have ruined their own credibility by being obviously retarded with the text. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, any evidence that they bring up for their position is a post hoc justification. Literally. That's all it is. It's it's not an actual presentation of an of an idea from the text. It's just a rationalization of what they already want to believe. Um so a lot of these controversies, big air quotes here, a lot of these controversies are just dumb. They can be dismissed pretty easily. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and I think hammering on, you know, wh whether or not that this this happened or or how it happened is is really missing the entire point of the passage itself. You know, they 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 want to they want to focus on whether or not X sin happened. We're like, okay, regardless on whether it was a mur whether it was murder or rape, uh, even worse sin happened when. David killed the husband. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, like, right. oh, is 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 rape worse than murder? I mean, I guess a feminist would say yes, but I don't see how you can equate that. Um, yeah, but I I don't think that the feminists actually, you know, I don't think they actually believe their own lies. Is the point? Um, it, I get what you're saying, and I agree with you. I mean, the 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 fact is that he violated a marital covenant by jumping in the middle of it and snatching this dude's wife up. And that's evil. That's the biggest evil that happened there because it was a violation of the new covenant. Um, but to, to, to try to insert rape there is the real issue uh, with these specific people, not with the text, but these specific people is the fact they're trying to insert stuff into the text 
to make it somehow more egregious. More egregious. Um, it's kind of like those guys that um, they talk about how the the oh so innocent Canaanites were just sitting there in their peaceful communities, <laughs> and you know they they didn't do nothing, and here come these really really bad Israelites, and you know these warmongering Israelites coming over the over the mountaintop and just decimating these peaceful peaceful people. Um, they're the same people who defend the Mayans and the Incans. They're the same people who, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's just that Christian's bad. God bad, right? My boy Mephibosheth, he didn't do nothing. Yeah, yeah. He didn't do yeah. nothing. He just, they won't, he just ate somebody, but he didn't do nothing. Right, right. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, in reality, I mean, these people are, are attacking God indirectly by attacking his people. That's really what it's about. Um, and so they're... They'll they'll defend child murderers because they are child murderers. I said what I said. Y'all can get mad, but it's true. Um, they're they're covering for their own child murder by defending fellow child murderers. They sacrifice their children to Molech, um, which is the modern practice of abortion. If you can't pick up what I'm laying down, and <clears throat> they're they're co belligerents with the Canaanites, who by the way would be absolutely disgusted with the levels of abortion we have going on today. Uh, the pagans, which God sent the nation of Israel to remove from the earth by uh, pretty much genocide, those people would be disgusted with the amount of babies that we killed today. Because in those days, they, they probably killed one every three months, not, you know, was it several hundred a minute? Uh yeah, uh oh, well I don't know if it's several hundred a minute, but it, it it's it's freaking a lot, you know it, it's it's a ton like it's seventy three million since the seventies, so yeah. Well, I mean I think the only the only one of the pagan ancestors of these people that would be proud would be the uh the the Aztecs, um you know they they killed what something a couple thousand during one of their their sun ceremonies or whatever. Right. Even even the brutal Spanish were like, "Yo, yo, y'all need to calm down." <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Abortions per day and abortions per hour. This is what I'm thinking of, according to the Guttmacher Institute. There are two thousand five hundred and forty-eight abortions per day and one hundred and six per hour. Um, but it doesn't really matter. The rivers run blood, uh, run red with blood. We've murdered literally millions of people in their mother's womb. So whether it's a hundred per hour or hundreds per minute, I don't really see a difference at this point. No, uh, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's it's a staggering amount. And then we sit here and wonder why our banks are collapsing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, I don't know if this will be too far off topic. I mean, I know it will be, but um, if you, if you want to indulge me for a moment, can you explain to me what the flips up with the banks right now? Um, so it sounds like that the banks invested too heavily in bonds. And there was a run on the bank, which means a whole bunch of people trying to withdraw their money. 
and they did not have the money because it was invested in bonds. And it's basically an issue of what's called Ill illiquidity, meaning that they can't cash out of their investments to pay the people who are coming for their cash. Um, it's like... It would be. It would be. Well, well, it's a little bit different than some of the other situations where, like FTX, for instance, those filthy evil bastards who stole my money. Um, sorry, I'm I'm a little salty about that. Still, um, it wasn't that much, but that doesn't matter. Um, so the FTX, a whole bunch of people gave them their money so that they can invest their money and then FTX turned around and spent all the money. So they just didn't have the money, which is why SB was it Bankman Freed SBF uh, SBF is getting charged with fraud because he literally spent the money. Um, in the case of these banks, it's a little bit different because it's like, um, a whole bunch of people gave them their money and said, hey, hold my money and make money off of it. And so it, it it's not the exact same thing because it was in bonds, but it's kind of like they went and bought some houses that they were planning on flipping in a year or two. And now they have to wait until the houses sell before they can give you your cash back. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I, I'm just... Uh, uh... What, what, what I was mentioning earlier, like, am I, are you really surprised? Is I thought it was common knowledge for people to understand that the banks ain't got your money. Like, they can only cover X amount of dollars per day. You know, they don't keep millions on hand. Yeah. So, uh, yes, people should know that. Uh, but no, people don't know how their banks operate. Um, just, just wait till they find out that the bank actually borrows money or loans people money on 90% of their cash. And so to actually get their cash back, most banks have to, I don't know, get money back from other people who borrowed the money. Well, I don't know if anybody knows that, but that, that's what happens. The, the, if you deposit a hundred dollars, I'll walk in there and I need to borrow a hundred dollars. They'll loan me a hundred dollars, but they're not going to loan me your money. What they're going to do is they're just going to print a hundred dollars and hand it to me. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're several degrees of borrowing on that 90%. So, uh, the actual amount of real cash is probably one one thousandth of what is actually being loaned out probably worse than that, but I want to not black pill everybody on the banking system just yet. We'll probably have to have a, a whole episode on the banking system just for funsies. We're going to have to get some um, more intelligence than me because my, my basic understanding of banks is banks bad. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. Um, oh, no, but, I'm not, but you know, yeah, the, well, in our, our current, style of banking um, in the in the specific tradition that we have goes all the way back to <clears throat> Renaissance Italy um, with the I'm trying to remember that family uh, 
Rothschilds? No, no, not the Rothschilds. Um, I know the Rothschilds, they, they essentially started this entire, well, maybe not started, but they perfected this entire thing where each member of the Roth, Rothschilds went and started a bank in like the capital of, of certain countries. And then because it's all family, all they would have to do is instead of, you know, taking a sack full of gold from, say, London to Moscow, they would just send a note and then, boom, your money's like instantly transferred over, quote unquote, because it's all one big family bank. Okay, so, <clears throat> yes. Um, so it started off with the Bardi and the Peruzzi, and then it went into the Medici's which is what I'm thinking of. Um, Cosimo, uh, Cosimo de' Medici. I apologize for the Italians out there that I ruined your Italian name. I do not have the Italian music in my language. Um, but that was the guy who really like built modern banking was that guy. Um, and then I think his son, uh, Lorenzo the Magnificent, uh, he, he, he busted that whole thing up shortly after his daddy built it. Um, but the West never learned their, their lesson after the Italians got a hold of banking <clears throat> and then the Dutch got a hold of it. And here we are today. The Dutch got a hold of it. You mean the Jews got a hold of it? Yes. I was going to make some kind of technical argument about how they're, you know, but I'm just, yes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> we can technicalize this all we want, but yeah, yes, we Spotify will now, that. Spotify will now, um, limit our reach because of this episode. <laughs> they haven't already limited our reach. Good. They probably have, but you know, and then today will be extra. We named two parties that were the no-nos. So. The um, Italians and the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was talking about the fags, but. Um, but yeah, so the this situation is a little bit different, but it's still. Our money's a joke. I had the conversation with my dad today about this. Um, you know, the whole. Uh, Dogecoin. Um, Elon Musk tweets about Dogecoin and their value triples. It's a joke that's now worth a little bit of money. It's not very much money, but it's worth a little bit of money. Um, <clears throat> the whole point of the joke is that our 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 money is meaningless. It the only thing that our money. The only thing that really influences our money is popularity. And this this elephant in the room is going to keep continue to be larger, going to continue to become larger as um, the ruble gains significance over the dollar. Um, so uh, this is not financial advice, but what I am doing is I'm going to be buying silver because silver is still relatively inexpensive. And I know several people who are already asking for silver for payment. And I probably will start doing the same thing. I mean, I think silver is just something good to always have on hand. I mean, 
yeah. the, the best way to explain it, you know, I know Dave Ramsey's if he's listening, he's just flipping out right now. But um I don't think That's he understands I don't think he understands silver. I don't think he understands precious metals. And you, you shouldn't be over here hodling it, but you should have some set back because it's a good battery. So when, when you think of money, I think we think about money in a, in a very wrong way. And money is simply nothing more than a store of energy. Okay. And, and your currency is what you constantly spend, you know, but then your batteries are your hard assets. So this, this is stuff like land, um, you know, in some case, in many cases, tools, uh, and definitely precious metals. Precious metals are the, are the, are the best you know, store of wealth because they're small and easily transfundable or not transfundable, but transportable. And, um, right. and, and so you're, you're not saying <clears throat> like, Oh, well I'm, I'm investing in silver. I'm investing in gold. You shouldn't look at it like as an investment, but more of just a store of wealth, you know, like it's not yeah. going to grow to large amounts, but it's going to stay about where you want it to be. Like if the dollar tanks, then your silver still going to be there. And, you know, so say if $5 is worth a sack of potatoes, well, your $5 in silver, uh, hold on, that's not the best way to explain it. Okay, so $100, (laughs) uh, let's let's just do it this way. $100 now will buy you a a buggy full of groceries. Okay, so $100 in silver sitting over here, even when the dollar completely collapses and now your buggy of groceries is worth $300. Well, that silver is still going to be equivalent to a buggy full of groceries. Did I explain that right, or did I just completely? That's about right, but anybody who knows anything about money is cringing right now, which they should cringe. I'm cringeworthy on this topic, so I'm just, like, as far as my um, investment goes, if you want to call it an investment, um, because I'm not looking at this to grow my portfolio or some other gay stuff. Um, I, I'm, I'm concerned about being able to buy and sell stuff, uh, because our money will be functionally worthless. And so I'm putting a little bit of money into silver. It's not much. I'm certainly not breaking myself to do it. Um, but I'm putting a little bit of money in there so that, you know, should my dollars not make any sense anymore, um, which just become worthless. Let me put it that way. Um, if I have to, if if they have, if I have to pay a thousand dollars to go buy a, a a loaf of bread, like happened in some other country that we are uh, fast becoming, um, then I can just take you know a few few pieces of silver and go down there and buy some bread with some silver. You can also betray people and get thirty pieces of silver, but that's another discussion. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, we'll keep the betrayal to uh, other people groups that like to do that to people. Um, I don't I don't know how many jokes we're limited to Spotify. Please don't kick us off your platform yet. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm I'm just it, I'm seeing it more as a a way to continue to buy and sell because if I, you know. I'm forced to buy from the farmer down the street. I could just put a few pieces of silver in his hand and ask him for something. And that's a pretty substantial payment regardless of who you are. So yeah, that's, that's really 
really the extent of my deliberations on it. Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to DixiePolis at ProtonMail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at SouthernRaisedBluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Steve.